Welcome. And uh, I've just got a word on my heart to share with you this morning. And uh, we're right in the middle of a series called Leap. And I don't know about you, but I often think, you know, life is so much more than just reaching the destination. You know, life is about the journey. It's about what happens along the way. You know, we are building, aren't we, day by day, and we're building step by next step to become fully devoted followers of Christ, to mature. And I love that build healthy and it's manageable. But who of you agrees with me that there are moments in our lives where we truly need to take a leap? And you know what? We take a leap going, God, I'm leaping and I hope you're going to catch me. (laughs) You know what? We can't always control the outcome. (laughs) And you know, as humans, I, I think we find it near impossible to change our thinking or our behavior or our actions based on what someone else says or does if it doesn't make rational sense to us. Rational inertia. Don't worry, I didn't know what he was talking about either. (laughs) But basically, it's the gap between past events and the truth for me today. It's the idea that just because the Bible says that miracles happen or you have a friend that experiences God, I might not be able to accept that as proof for God's reality to me because it might not make sense to my rational brain. And I'm so thankful for a Uh, philosopher and theologian. He was a Danish man called Soren Kierkegaard, and he argued for what later became known as the leap of faith. His thought was that very often and very rationally, the only way for us to change, the only way for us to move forward is to take a leap of faith. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that faith is the substance of what we hope for, And it's the evidence of what we hope, a faith, sorry, was something that we could just touch if we could just take a hold of it, but we can't, and that's why it's called faith. I love Robert Shuler. He has a great quote that says, there will always be the unknown. There will always be the unprovable, but faith confronts those frontiers with a thrilling leap. And that, my friends, is when life becomes vibrant with adventure. Isn't that awesome? So today we're going to look at what I believe, what Mike and I believe is the greatest leap that we can and we must take in our relationships, the leap of forgiveness. So I want to share a couple of scriptures and then we'll pray. The first one I want to share, if you have your Bibles or don't worry, it'll be on the screen behind me, is from Matthew 18, 21 to 22. And this is Peter, one of Jesus' disciples speaking. And he came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus answered, but 70 times seven. And in Mark 11, verse 25, it says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I just thank you for your most beautiful presence in this place. I thank you that though our sin was great, Lord, your love is greater. And I echo that word that I just believe there's going to be people here who will just receive a fresh revelation of the love of the heavenly Father. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness, that Lord, we can learn to forgive because your word goes forth. It would truly change us. Lord, would you speak to us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, the Bible talks a lot about relationships. It talks about 
a lot about that we're designed for a relationship with God and with others. And Jesus makes a pretty clear statement in Luke chapter 17. He says that it is impossible for us to escape being offended, right? Offense is going to come. And we need to know how to deal with that. And I believe that the greatest leap we can take in relationships is to forgive those who have hurt or have offended us. I want us to remember something this morning. This is my take-home thought, that forgiveness brings freedom. Amen? Forgiveness will bring you freedom. You know, Mike and I um, have been married for a wee while now, not as long as many of you in this room, but we're coming up 21 years uh, in April, and we've never had a disagreement. We've never had a reason to take offense or cast judgment upon each other. I said that to our 10-year-old. She says, oh, really, mom? That is so not true. (laughs) I'm like, it is our 21 years that we have had to forgive each other, that we have had to release the judgment and offense that we have taken and allow God to restore our relationship uh, again. More times than I would like to admit. But we like to keep it real here at Elam. So if you were here a couple of weeks ago or two or three weeks ago, Mike shared an example uh, of recently on our summer holiday where he needed to ask me to forgive him for a comment that he made. Do you guys remember that? Right, now you get to hear my side of the story. (laughs) No, and truly, it's actually not better than his. Because you know what? In the heat of a moment of a game, now games and extended family, they do not go hand in hand, okay? Is there anyone who can say a yes and amen to that? Like, I dislike games with a passion. I will avoid them at all costs. But, you know, it's family and we're playing this game. And in the heat of the moment, Mike made a comment that really hurt me. But to be honest with you, it did more than that. It actually, um, and uh, I responded so well. I burst into tears. Um, I left the room and I left my team in the lurch, right? Like, that was great, Amy. But, you know, worse than that, when Mike sincerely tried to apologize mercy and forgiveness to him, actually, truth be told, I took about a day stewing over that offense before I truly forgave him from my heart. Anyone else struggle with how easy it is to take offense? Hello, just be alive for five minutes. <laughs> you know, maybe you have a work colleague um, that speaks their mind with a different opinion to you, or maybe has taken credit for something that was your idea. Maybe you have a friend who overshared some private information or gossiped or spread rumors about you that weren't true. Maybe you've had a business partner break your trust and deceive you. Maybe you've had a family member who borrowed something, have it this, and never returned it. Oh, fence, fence. Uh, A family member or a child, say, who was ungrateful for your help and never said thank you. I mean, maybe someone just gave you a look and you were highly offended and you'd rather really not see that person again. (laughs) Maybe your husband leaves his socks all over the floor. How hard is it to find the wash bin? (laughs) Offense, it's easy to catch. It's easy to catch, isn't it? You know, I believe that offense is like the preview to the main event. Offense is the seed that becomes the ugly weed, right? I believe that at its heart, at its core, offense, the root of offense um, is, that offense is the root, sorry, of unforgiveness. And you know what? I think we have an enemy 
in Satan, and his, uh, his strategy is division, and his tactic is offense. And he will go after anything that will disrupt unity, that will cause it, because where there is unity, the Bible tells us that God commands a blessing. And so I'm sure that, you know, for all of us here, we can see that. And sometimes we need, to be, we need to see that too for what it is. You know what? Satan also, he wants to attack the very core of our existence, and that is families. And uh, Pete, one of our pastors on team last week, he brought a great prophetic word, which I, I really believe rings true, that there are marriages in this place. There are relationships in this place under attack. And you, for the last few years, have been struggling. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants to bring healing, that he wants to bring restoration. And I believe that forgiveness is the leap. You know, I find it interesting with Peter's comment to Jesus that I read to you just a moment ago. And I, I like to, do you like to do this when you read the Bible? You know, you kind of go, you put yourself in their shoes. And so I go, Peter, come on, why did you need to ask Jesus how many times? Should I forgive somebody? Like, and I often think, well, who was Peter offended at? Maybe it was one of the disciples. Maybe it was the the Pharisees. Who knows? I like a good mystery. But, you know, I came to the conclusion that, you know, Peter's struggle is like ours. He was asking Jesus for some closure on forgiveness. He was saying to Jesus, how many times? And he's like, seven times. And in the Old Testament, uh, there's a book in the Bible called Amos, and Peter would have known that in Amos, uh, it talks about um, six of God's enemies. And, and, and it's made this comment, for three sins of Damascus, even four, I will not hold back my wrath. And I think Peter concluded that, you know, maybe three times is the limit of God's forgiveness, and on the fourth time, he lets sinners have it. So uh, we can't be more generous with God, but than God. So, you know, that must be the case. But then Jesus comes on the scene and he's like no one he's ever met because he's God in the person, God in the flesh, and he's turning Peter's world upside down. And so he concludes that, you know, maybe I'll take the three times of forgiveness, double it and add one for good measure. And I'll come up with seven times. Surely Jesus responds. No, Peter, not seven times, 70 times seven. Whoa. Hang on a minute, Jesus. Like that's a lot of forgiveness. Actually, Jesus is saying there is no limit on forgiveness. There is no limit on forgiveness. You know, in Peter's problem, it's our problem. Sin, it wrecks everything. Me, you, us, our relationships, our marriages, with our families, with our children. And we get hurt and we hurt others. But I want to tell you this morning that learning to forgive those who have hurt you because Jesus first forgave you is one of the the greatest things in life. It's hard, but God helps us do it because he forgave us first. And it's interesting to me that Jesus qualifies his statement to Peter right in Matthew chapter 18. He tells uh, Peter and probably those that were listening a parable. And maybe if you're new to church, a parable is just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And you'll see that Jesus tells a lot of parables to help us understand uh, about the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to say that the kingdom of heaven is like a, a master or a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. And he goes to one of his servants who owed him a phenomenal amount of money, like a huge amount, 10,000 talents, the Bible tells us. And, uh, this man couldn't pay the king back. And so he, 
he and his wife and his possessions and would be sold into slavery. But the servant pleads with the master and he said, please, please give me time to pay back what I owe you. And in Matthew chapter 18, this, uh, it says, but the master of the servant, he had compassion and he released him and he forgave him the entire debt. Wow. That's amazing. But Jesus goes on to continue the story, and he said that that same servant then went out to one of his fellow servants who owed him a much lesser amount, about a hundred denarii, and said, pay me back what you owe me now. And that servant fell down on his knees and pleaded for more time to pay him back. But you know what? That servant, he was not merciful, and he did not extend forgiveness, and he put him in jail until he could pay the entire debt back. And the story goes on that the servants in the kingdom went to the king to tell him what had happened and reported everything. And after he had summoned uh, the servant, he said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything back. In verse 35, it says, so also your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. Jesus is really clear here what the greatest sin is. You know, it's the servant's unforgiveness. What I find fascinating about this story is that Jesus deems his servant's unforgiveness as worse than losing millions of his own money. Like if that was me, I would be way more concerned with my money than the person's uh, attitude or heart response, but no, not God. And you know, there was a critical point in this passage where the servant had an opportunity to forgive as he had been forgiven. It was a debt equivalent of, in our times, maybe about 20 years worth of wages, and he couldn't extend mercy and grace to a debt of about three months equivalent today. We know when we remain offended, when we refuse to forgive, we actually voluntarily put ourselves in the judge's seat and we actually inflict torture on ourselves. It's like the woman who um, was bit by a rabid dog and she went to her doctor and her doctor said, your death is imminent, you need to write your will. Um, this woman went away and she took a really long time to write her will and the doctor said, like, why are you taking so long? How long is this will going to be? And she said, I am not writing a will. I'm writing a list of everybody I'm going to bite. <laughs> I know, forgiveness isn't easy, is it? What forgiveness is and how we can apply some of the word to our lives. I want to let you know what forgiveness is not. And this is really important. Forgiveness is not pretending that nothing happened. Forgiveness is not pretending that the pain you've experienced isn't real, was right. That is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting what they've done. We do, at moments, need to learn and protect ourselves and others from being hurt again. And you know, forgiveness is not actually even the same as reconciliation. We're commanded to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us, regardless of whether reconciliation will or ever take place. We forgive because Jesus did first, you know, and it's like a circle, a perfect circle. If we refuse to forgive, it actually cuts us off from God's part of forgiveness in our own lives. 
And you know, why isn't forgiveness easy? I think there's a couple of reasons, and I've got them in your notes just quickly. Number one, I think forgiveness is not easy because we struggle to let go. Number one, we struggle with letting go. C.S. Lewis has a great quote that says, um, getting over a painful experience is like climbing the monkey bars. Can you remember doing that as a little kid? You know, you can't get to the next bar unless you let go of the last one. You can't move forward unless you let go. And you know, when steps don't sometimes, a leap of forgiveness is needed. A leap of letting go. Releasing someone from your judgment, from your offense. Actually, it's like tearing up the IOU. And I want to encourage you this morning with Paul's words to us in Colossians 3, 13. And I'm going to read it to you in the message translation because I love how it's phrased. He says, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, we are love. It is your basic all-purpose garment. Never, my friends, be without it. Let go. Be quick to forgive an offense. I remember a, a very wise elder in our years that we spent pastoring in Tauranga. He said to me, Amy, offense will come at you every day. You have a choice. You can either catch it or let it go. Because if you catch it, it will become the root of unforgiveness. And it will imprison you. And, and, and that offense will be like a fence. And it will literally fence you and prison you in. And you will not be able to walk forward. But today I want to tell you that forgiveness brings freedom. Amen? And the second thing we struggle with is we struggle with the ongoing feelings. You know, I love, Mike and I have shared this before, and it's very, I hope it's in your notes, but if it's not, you need to write this down. Forgiveness is an event, and it's a process. Forgiveness is an event. And up here and tell you that, yes, I've, I've, when I forgive, I never have ongoing feelings. That it's not hard and not, uh, you know, the reality is just that that's not true. Um. And Corrie Ten Boom is an amazing lady, and her story has been really helpful. Uh, just heart to forgive as Jesus has forgiven me. Thanks, Rach. Just going to come play for us this morning. Um, Corrie Ten Boom, she was a survivor in World War II. She was a Holocaust survivor. She just went through just incredible tragedies, loss in her family. But she tells a story of how some Christian friends had wronged her in a very public way. And... Uh, Although she tried to forgive them, she was bitter and angry, and she would often wake up in the middle of the night, you know, have you been there, with the thoughts of going, of that, of that hurt playing, replaying over her mind, and it just seemed that the memory wouldn't, wouldn't fade away, and I can so relate to that, and it took two sleepless weeks, and Corrie finally went to ask for some wise advice from her pastor, and her pastor said that he tells her, Corey, you know, in the, you know in our church, there's a bell at the top of the tower. And uh, when that bell is pulled, um, it rings. And there is a reverberation sound. Uh, it starts off loud and, and it dies away. And what happens, he said to her, what happens if the sexton doesn't pull on the bell anymore? That sound will eventually die away. He said, forgiveness is like that. When you forgive, you take your hand off the rope. But if you've been stewing over that offense and struggling to forgive for a really long time, 
you have to acknowledge and understand that there might be a few reverberations, a few dings and a few dongs that will come your way. And I have found that so incredibly helpful. We've shared that story many times. And so it proved to be true for Corey. Uh, there were a few midnight reverberations. There were a few dings and dongs as the, as the uh, situation came up in conversations. But the force, which was her willingness to take her hand off the bell and forgive, became less and less until eventually it died away. And I think that is just so incredibly helpful for each one of us. You know, I can remember personally, Mike and I, and this is many years ago now, uh, when we were working together, we had a colleague that had a moral failure. And it was devastating, and it was incredibly hurtful to a lot of people. But she was a very, very close friend of mine. And uh, I just felt so hurt and betrayed. And I really struggled to forgive her. In fact, it took me quite a, a long time. And it wasn't until I heard the story of the bell. I needed to take my hand off the rope and stop pulling at it. That actually meant I stopped even talking about it. I actually chose to forgive and forgive and forgive again and again and again until I was able to, you know, out of love. You know, years later, she wrote me a letter as a means to apologize and ask for my forgiveness, to reconcile our friendship. And I so appreciated her doing that. But I was able to honestly say to her, I forgave you years ago. Thank you for your apology, but I forgave you years ago. You know, years ago, I released you from that debt. I tore up the IOU. I forgave as quickly as, no, as I would have liked, but as completely as the master has forgiven me. And you know what? I not only set her free, but I set myself free. Because what is so interesting in the story of the unmerciful servant, and I don't know if you've realized this, but do you realize that both servants were in prison? Both of them unable to pay back the money that they had owed. Not only was that first servant put in prison, he was tortured, but then he went and imprisoned the man who offended him, who couldn't pay him back. And I was like, that's what happens when we refuse to forgive. When we remain offended, we actually are both put in prison. And I'm here to tell you this morning that because of Jesus, because our sin was great, but His love was greater for us, He has forgiven us. We are here all sinners in need of a Savior. And you know what? My heart, and I know forgiveness isn't easy, and this is not an easy topic to stand up here and talk about, but I believe it is the greatest leap that God is calling many of you here today to take together because forgiveness will bring freedom. It's a very wise proverb, and I've applied it to our relationship and, and Mike and I and to my friendships. It says, Proverbs 17, 9. It says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. I'm going to say in love, overlook. In love, extend grace. In love, don't catch the offense. Charlotte Gamble, one of my favorite preachers, she said, you've got two choices. You can either catch offense or you can hold on to offense, sorry, or you can hold on to your future. You cannot hold on to both. God has got an incredible future and plan for every single one of us, but offense will trap us and it will keep us imprisoned and it will 
and we will not be allowed. We will not be able to move forward. And I want to see you all moving forward. I want to see you taking everything, the freedom that God has given you. You're willing to go on that journey, friends. I just want to take a moment just as we close. You know, are you offended at anyone today? Do you need to forgive anyone today? Are you holding judgment against someone today? Do you need to release someone and tear up some IOUs today? Is there a certain situation or person that brings back, again, things to your memory that you need to let go and give that to God today? And I just think, imagine if we could live like that and the freedom that Christ has given each one of us. And I just want us to take a a moment as Rachel is playing so beautifully this morning. Because it's likely that there's an incident or a person that is coming to mind as I've been speaking. And God has been speaking to you. And I just want to extend an opportunity to have the courage to take a leap of faith this morning, to take the leap of forgiveness, where the reconciliation will ever take place. God commands us to forgive quickly and completely just as He has forgiven us. We can trust Him. Actually, forgiveness at its core is a faith issue. It's Him enough because He poured out forgiveness for you. He made a way for you to know Him this morning. So I just wonder if we could just take a moment to think about whether we need to forgive someone this morning. And then I just want to pray a prayer and you can pray it with me. Pray it in your heart. Just ask God that you might be able to forgive that person this morning. example, I can forgive others. And today, you might like to say their name, I choose to forgive for the area that they have wronged me. Lord, I release them from any judgment. I thank you that forgiveness brings freedom. Not only I ask that I would find freedom today, but that whoever I have forgiven finds freedom too. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here this morning and you know you don't know this God that I talk of. You know, Jesus came and He gave His life for each and every one of us because we have a problem and it's called sin. And actually, we're we're, we're much like those two servants. You know our sin? It puts us in a prison. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, maybe you're here today and you don't know Him and you would love to start a relationship with Him. He loves you. He created you on purpose for a purpose. And He made a way for us to be released from prison, for us to be, for our debt to have been paid in Jesus, Son of God. He lived a perfect life. 
He gave His life on a cross and He died and He rose again so that we could have life. You know, if you're here today and first and foremost, you need to know and understand God's forgiveness for you. You need to find peace with God today. If that's you, I would love to pray with you in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you've, you just know in your heart you're not where you should be. You've wandered away. I want to tell you that God loves you and it's time to come home. It's time to receive His forgiveness again. You know, three things will happen when you surrender your life to Jesus. Your life in Jesus today, and you will receive an eternal hope for your future. You will receive forgiveness like you never could have imagined before and you will be able to forgive those who have hurt or have wronged you. So if that's you, we love to pray here at Eli first time. And I believe by faith, God will hear your prayer and He will save you from your sin this morning. So come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of this world. And today I make you, Jesus, the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me to forgive my sin. And I believe you rose again to give me life. I receive this new life. Please forgive me and help me to forgive others. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and eye still closed, if you prayed that prayer, I just want to ask you to do one courageous thing this morning. And on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to pop up your hand so that I can see it and and just slip it back down as a step of faith this morning that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So on the count of three, big plan for your life. And number three, you can put up your hand if you said yes to Jesus this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir, down the middle. Thank you. Thank you over here. A couple of hands. Thank you. Is there anyone over this side? Thank you down the back there. Awesome. So great. Come on, church. Let's celebrate this morning. God is so good. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, Amy. What a.